got shredded to get it if you hear me holler. Making moves another day, another dollar. On the grind, I'm living good. What you expect? Just another one in a way that you can say that. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? I see you on the Hudson. I see you, Honorary, for success. Trey Million, I see you. If you guys could do me a favor and just share this with anywhere between three to five of your friends, I gladly would appreciate it. If you guys can hear me loud and clear, let me get some thumbs up. Let me get some thumbs Yo, 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 I hear you. Listen, listen, listen. Today, boy, do we have a show for you guys. If you guys could share this with three to five of your friends. Steve Babcock tonight. Steve Babcock tonight on the Hudson. The bar has been set. <laughs> hey, I see you, twin. I see you in the building. I see you. If you guys could just share this with anywhere between three to five of your friends, I gladly would appreciate that. I gladly would appreciate it. Listen, listen, boy, do we have a show for you guys tonight. I'm telling you guys. Hip Hop Forever Apparel is in the building. I see you. Thank you for joining. If you could do me a favor and just share this with anywhere between three to five of your friends, I gladly will appreciate that. But listen, Steve Babcock tonight, guys. Whew. I reached out to him. He said, let's do it. He gave me the thumbs up on, on, on making this happen. And tonight on the Cashing In Dreams uh, podcast, we are going to give you guys the show of your lifetime. First of all, I'm excited to have Steve Babcock on uh, tonight, but I'm also excited for the 20th episode, the 20th episode, right? Which is today with Steve Babcock. We have sponsors now, guys. Sponsors are hitting me up in the DMs, finding my phone number, calling me to sponsor uh, their business. So before we get started into... Um, into the show, I'm going to bring in uh, the first uh, sponsor of the evening. Um, Steve is in the building. Bear with me one second, Steve, as we pay the bills with uh, the sponsors here. Jarvis & Co., Digital Marketing Solutions, Graphic Designs, Web Designs, Branding, Labels and Packaging, Social Media Management, Digital Marketing, uh, marketing, excuse me, go and build your brand with them. You can find them at www.jarvisdigitalco.com. That's J-A-R-V-I-S-D-I-G-I-T-A-L-C-O.com. Let them know that the Cashing in Dreams podcast sent you over there. I'm telling you, you guys can get everything you need right here at Jarvis & Co. All right, listen, this one is a little special to me here. Um, we're going to bring the second sponsor in of the evening. Deep Within by Teresa Cox Bates. Listen, the ebook is finally here, guys. The ebook is finally here. Dig Deep Within. Find what it is that you want to do and just do it. It's just that simple. You guys can go to the website where it's www.deep, uh, w, excuse me, D-E-E-P-W-I-T-H slash 
Ken.com. I'm telling you guys, I'm halfway through this book and this book is amazing. It has me pumped for today's episode with Steve Babcock. Go get this book, guys. Listen, whoo, if you guys could do me a favor and just share this with five to 10 of your friends now, I'm getting ready to bring Mr. Steve Babcock in. This is going to be an amazing episode. Make sure you have something to write with because the gems that he is going to drop tonight, it will take you guys far. Let's bring him in. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going, my brother? It's good. Good. How are you? I am pretty good. Um, Before before we jump in uh, to, to the interview, I want to let you know, I'm not sure if, if you recall who I am or how me and you actually started uh, talking. Um, but there was a post from uh, an influencer a couple of years ago, I believe. And he was like, go and follow Steve Babcock. Just follow him. <laughs> and I went on, I went on your, your, your Instagram page. I followed you. And I said, hey, I'm following you because this influencer said to follow you. Now, entertain me. <laughs> and what you did for me was, I, I was thinking I was getting entertainment, but you really became somewhat of a silent mentor. Like just watching what you were doing, how you move, how you engage with people uh, on your social media, even down to being transparent and open with this, it's almost like a journal, to be honest with you, on your on your on your Instagram platform. And I was wild and excited for you to take on uh, me and getting onto the Casting and Dreams podcast. So I applaud you for that. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Let's 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 jump into this, ladies and gentlemen. Steve Babcock, advertising, content, strategy, marketing, consulting, social media marketing mobile marketing, content marketing, CEO of Made In-House, tonight's guest. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mr. Steve Babcock. <laughs> Steve, how's it going? It's awesome. I mean, you know, considering everything that's going on in our crazy world, uh, I can't complain. I got, got my health. I'm with my family. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's good. Yeah, making the most of it. Listen, same on this end. Um, I picked up my phone right at the beginning of the pandemic and started the Cashing and Dreams podcast, and I've been running with it ever since. Um, tell the people a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, my name's Steve. Um, I've spent the majority of my professional life in advertising, working at, at advertising agencies on the creative side. Uh, so I started, you know, a little bit of graphic design, but primarily as a writer. Uh, and as I Grew up through my career, uh, moved around a little bit. Uh, most recently was in uh, New York City, was the uh, chief creative officer uh, of VaynerMedia. Most everybody has heard of Gary Vaynerchuk and right. my boss and CEO. So I worked with him for about four years. And then, as you mentioned, last year, uh, well, a little over a year ago, I started my own little company called Made In House, which is uh, basically teaching a lot of brands are finding value in having some form of content creation team or whatever in, in house. Uh, but I, I came to realize like, well, I don't know if they really know how to do it or if, or they could use some help figuring out how to do it better. And so 
uh, that was just the germ of the idea that then became this little company I, I've started. And, uh, and that's what I do. And that's love pretty it, much love me. It. <laughs> love it. Um, advertisement is not a career that a lot of people uh, aspire to do. But the ones that do tend to love and stick in this arena. What was it about advertisement that grabbed your attention? Uh, well, I, to to be frank, it wasn't it wasn't on my radar as a, as a student. Um, I I only found out about advertising because I got a job uh, at an agency in their mailroom while I was going to going to school. I I wanted to go into film. I was always interested in. I want. I, I thought I'd be a movie director. You know, wow. I really was like I like entertaining and I like these kinds of things. Um, but it really was like a friend of a friend was like, hey, here's a great job for school you get to super flexible hours and and so i walked into this agency called dsw partners uh back in in the late 90s and and just kind of was like what is this industry like this is like creative people and 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 uh and so yeah i really fell into it kind of accidentally wow. um, and and then i you know i got a job i kind of went from the mailroom. it's easier once you were in there i was like you know Kind of got a got a job, and then I've just that's you know the 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 world that I've stayed in. Wow! So when you say you started in the mailroom and then worked your way up to getting a job, briefly just speak on that because when you say mailroom, you got yourself in the building. I'm assuming you're walking around handing people their mail, and <laughs> all of a sudden you become this legend of an advertiser. Like talk talk to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, this is again late '90s, so people got a lot of mail. There wasn't a whole ton of email yet, um, and you really. You really, you know, if there's one way to really know everybody at a large agency, it's to like get and sort and deliver their mail. Like, all right, this person's really into knives. He gets a lot of like knife magazines and catalogs and this person's into all kinds of stuff. But um, so how my situation worked was, it was just really fortunate. The agency, while I was in the mailroom, the agency had a, they, they put on a scholarship contest for all students within the state and you could submit a creative portfolio or maybe a strategy plan or whatever. And because I wasn't a salaried employee, I was eligible to, to submit. And so I was like, I mean, it really was more of like, I, I'm not looking for a job, but that's 10 grand. Like that'll pay for my school. I think I was about to get married. So I'm like, I need some money for the wedding. Right. And, um, <laughs> and so I befriended a guy this guy named Dan Orgill, who was a, an art director, a graphic designer there. And I kind of befriended him and he would let me use his computer at night. And again, this is pre-laptop. So it was like Photoshop 4, like before there were layers or anything. So at night, I would right. go sit, sit in his little cubicle workstation and put together a, you know, a, a portfolio of just fake ads, you know. And, and I kind of thought it was my, you know, it was, was going to be a graphic design entry, I thought, a little bit more. And... Anyway, submitted it, and, and and a few months went by. I think I just sort of forgot about it. I, I don't know if it, what their timeline was. And then all of a sudden, I got this call uh, to go up to the partner's lounge. So wow. there was on this one floor, it was, it was about 600, five or 600 people on this one floor. Half of it was like this partner's lounge. And there was like four or five partners, and it was kind of like walled off. There, and, you know, you couldn't get back there. There was like the the, the assistant lady was like, you know, anyway. But the only time I, one of my duties, um, I think it was like every other day, or I can't remember the cadence, but one of my duties was to restock 
the fridge in the partner's lounge, lounge with beverages. And I remember it being very clear to me that um, the beverages, you know, the cans had to be in a certain order and like labels out um, and perfect. So maybe somebody had like a, some like OCD, or I don't know why it was like, but it was a thing. Or maybe it was just a big joke on me, but I did it religiously. So I, I tell you that because I remember when I got that call, the only thing that went through my head was like, did I forget to like straighten the cans? Like I'm getting fired, um, you know, cause I, I didn't even know that they knew who I was. And right. so I went up there and, and much to my surprise, they had announced, uh, they congratulated me. They said, hey, you won the, the contest. And, um, and then also they said, which was cool, cause they just like gave me a straight up check. Uh, wow. And, um, and then they also said, we'd like to give you a job as uh, we'd like to promote you out of the mailroom as a, as a junior copywriter. So it was a, it was a pretty cool day to go home and just be like, wait a minute, I got 10 grand that'll pay for school and some of my wedding and I have a real job. And so, wow. uh, so yeah, it wasn't necessarily like I, I, I was surprised by it, you know, for sure. Uh, I was just kind of going for the money and I was interested, but at that age, you know, you, you, you're like, yeah, I'll take it. I remember it was like 20,000 a year. And you're just like, whatever, let's do it. You know, <laughs> so. Do you remember the ad? Do you remember what you put together? I do. I still have it, actually. Um, it was uh, because I worked in the mailroom. The mailroom was also, it was also called the business center. Uh, okay. I just say mailroom because most people know what that is. But it was the mailroom. But then it was also like a kind of like a little production area. So back then, whenever the agency would do presentations of like print ads and billboards and things that we would, they would come down to me and I would actually mount them with like spray mount on like a thin, like foam core, whatever. Right. right. So, so I kind of had all that at my disposal. So I remember I, I made these ads, they were all, you know, maybe about that big and they were just like print ads. Right. You know, and, uh, and I mounted them to this little foam core. So you had a stack of them and then, uh, so it's super cheesy, but I, the concept was I went and then I went down to like a local grocery store at the the deli and i had him give me one of those like styrofoam trays that you put like meat in and right. then i put my my little stack of ads in there and then i had them actually shrink wrap it so it was like sh it was shrunk shrink wrapped and right. the top the top of it uh was just a an image of like just like ground beef texture right and then right. The, like the little card on it was like 100% fresh ideas. It was like so cheesy, so horrible. But that was the idea. It was like, oh, it's All right. know, you know, fresh ideas. And then once they open it up, um, but I still have them. And and one of the, the ad campaigns um, was, uh, um, it was for, you know what? I'm going to just show you, actually. I have it right here. Right here. It, podcast. Let's do it. Well, let me see if I have it on here. Maybe I don't, but... Uh, I can show you really quick. Sorry. Because um, this is, it's funny because I do have like the first ads I ever came up with. I'll see if you can see this right here. I'll move this over. Um, here we go. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. We'll try. But it was for a vegetarian hot dog company called Not Dogs. And so I made these little ads. Maybe you wow. can see them. With the carrot, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the peas and the and the corn and yo, it yeah. works. It works. <laughs> and listen, I, I stopped eating meat about two years ago. So if I would have saw that, I probably would have gotten those hot those those no dogs. <laughs> yeah, so um, those were 
those were some of the fresh ideas that got me yo, into advertising. I, I I, yo, I, and it worked, and it got you where you are today from the beginning, right? Um, yeah. You wrote a post, and it said everybody. Uh, no, no, excuse me. Everybody has the next big idea from tech, clothing, music, all attached to lifestyle, right? I read where you say stop optimizing boring ideas. Talk a little bit about this. Well, I think, you know, in marketing, especially right now, because we have the tools that we have, you know, the ability to and the and the data that we that we have, right? The ability to to hyper target different audience segments through social media, um, the ability to, to actually see how an ad is engaged with. Like you could never do that before. Like I couldn't really tell, I mean, we did surveys and like Nielsen reports on like who watched a TV commercial or who saw a billboard on the street. But now I literally can track you, um, you know, like, oh, I can see a certain number of people watch this percentage of the video, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so I think what, what happens and what I've seen a lot in this industry is there's sort of two camps. There's, there's still this idea of like creativity, uh, or I would say, you know, the art of persuade, uh, per, uh, persuading emotions versus just straight up data. Like, here's what we know they like and, or, you know, here's what we predict they'll like and just boom, boom, boom. And or or the ability to optimize right like i can i can post a piece of content or i can post a, a, an ad and and i can change it because maybe i'm seeing like i'm not getting the results i want do i get a lot of drop off after three seconds well let me go in and re-edit i'm gonna optimize i'm gonna optimize i'm gonna optimize and i do believe uh at some point we have to remember that we're emotional beings we're humans and and that creative component is always going to be valuable. It's always going to be the thing that hits the head and the heart. And, and so to never, um, you see it a lot where it's like, it's, I'd rather throw, a, throw an execution out, out the door. Just be like, no, we've lost it. There's no longer an idea. It's not interesting anymore. Get rid of it and wow. start over. Um, but, but that whole point of that post was really like, actually focus up front. Really, really, really the number one priority of anything you do in marketing is to have a hook. Like mm. Number one, if you have mm. something that is uninteresting to start with, you're not gonna optimize it to interesting. <laughs> you know, like really, 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 really sweat that time up front to, to believe you've got an idea that is, that is interesting, engaging, and also of course solves a business problem. A lot of people forget that part too. And it's like, that's our business. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was really it of like, don't get too, focused on just like optimizing something to the best that it can be if it's start if it's not interesting to begin with gotcha when i when i first um read that i was like wow this is this that that post is what really made me dig deep into your social media presence and then that's when i started to realize yo this guy is really dropping gems on the low but he, <laughs> <laughs> he's giving away all the good information and if you guys are not following him you guys need to follow uh this this guy that, that i'm speaking to right now steve babcock um your resume shows to come highly recommended like when i was doing my research i'm like oh my like red thumb reminder i don't know if you guys remember that but i remember the red <laughs> thumb reminder uh he's worked with geek squad best buy dominoes where who we're talking to right now guys i don't know if you guys know but this is the guy 
who actually created the situation to where you know how long it's going to take for your pizza and <laughs> hit the oven to knock at your door. Like when I saw that, I was like blown away. <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally, I totally was. And, and I want you to speak on, on this domino situation. Uh, but the one that sticks out uh, the most to me is the Meek Mill ad that you did around criminal justice reform um, and rewriting uh, the, the the Miranda rights. How was it working on this project? And um, do you believe that it made a stamp um, or the stamp that you guys were looking for, did, did it work? Oh, I lost you. Sorry, so answer the, say the last part of that question again. Do you believe, the, uh, how was it working on this project? And do you believe that it made the stamp that you guys were looking for? Yeah, that one was really cool. So that was while I was the chief creative officer at VaynerMedia. And that was a whole new challenge for me. That was all of a sudden being kind of the, the leader of around a 200 person creative group. Wow. And, and one of the things that I had to understand, and this is a kind of to get to the to your your question, one of the things I really had to develop there and and understand is that my job was less about you know getting my fingers in the work with in, in the creative, which is what I've always loved doing, and more about creating an environment to where other people can can achieve that success. And I think a lot of creative leaders, at least in my experience, get that mixed up a little bit. It's like, well, I'm, now I'm in a position of power. I'm going to use that power to just kind of overbear everybody with what I want to do. My style is very different where it's like, I want to be uh, very flat and very wide and empower. So I bring that up because there's an individual uh, who's very much responsible for that. Uh, this guy named Ritesh Gupta. He, he and I worked at Vaynermedia together. One of the best uh, documentarian film uh, makers I've ever worked with. Um, and it, it, some of the, I mean, probably 90% of the stuff that we did during my four years there, he was behind the, uh, he was behind the camera and the mastermind. So this one actually came through him. You know, I remember I got a call from him one day and he's like, hey, I, and in fact, I don't know. He's like a buddy of a buddy. I don't know. He's like, they they hit us up and um, they have this, this, uh, problem and they have this this uh, this uh, thing they want to make they want to make a, a video right they knew they needed to make a video around uh, this movement and you know what what was really interesting about it was um, as we talked about it you know the, the number one thing that I think we we both realized was like I you know I'm like well I'm completely the wrong person to be <laughs> authoring this you know what I mean like and I think that's important it's hard as a creative director in advertising to be humble enough to go i'm i'm pro i probably don't have uh the empathy or understand i definitely don't you know it's something i can't i can i can understand it from a from my perspective but i can't fully understand it i, I it's it's impossible based on who who i am and um and so um Anyway, so it, it, I think it was like kind of a strike of good luck or whatever. But Ritesh, I remember one day he came in because he would take the subway and he's like, dude, I found this woman. And it was, a, it was this woman who he would kind of pass. She would do sort of like beat poetry kind of art in the subway, right? You know, right. And, and, and he was always kind of impressed with her. And he ended up talking to her. And she was, a, I think she was a grad student at NYU. And she was doing a thesis on criminal reform. She, she was African-American. Okay. And I mean, it was her whole 
thing. And he just right. happened to be walking by her and he was like, would you, we have a concept. We had a, we had the hook right. of, uh, of like rewriting the Miranda rights. Like we knew that was kind of going to be the hook, but like, how do we write them? Right. And, we, and so we brought her in really. We were like, do you know what advertising is? He's like, I'm like, okay, come on, we're going to pay you uh, to come freelance. And so she joined the team and really like her and Ritesh, um, you know, his, his sort of, you know, genius behind that camera. And that thing was made for like 12 bucks. No, I mean, it, it, no I mean, way. More than that. But I mean, but dirt right, cheap, right, right, right. We had our own studio and just like the pieces of it, you know, where the things light up from behind were kind of shot differently and just put together. It was very simple production. And why I think wow. it was powerful is obviously the, 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 the point of the film was very, very powerful. Meek uh, was very, very powerful. But I, I think all the, the credit really goes to, um, and I'm spacing her name and I hate it because I'd love to give her props right now, but it but was this woman who really came in and I mean, I remember even Meek being like, who wrote this? Because this is awesome. Right. You know, and it was like, like she was a poet. She like, she was really wow. good at it. So um, in terms of, of um, impact, you know, it's always interesting, like impact of anything really. I mean, certain things you do, you have like, it, it, you can actually see pretty black and white, like it did this or it didn't do this or, or whatever. But it, I found in like social, similar with Red Thumb Reminder, but in like social campaigns or engagements, like it, it's kind of hard because there isn't really a metric, like it's an emotional metric of like, I guess you could pull a lot of people. I don't really, I don't really know, but I like right. to go into those situations and just, and just believe that it, that it, it changed somebody's perspective, you know? And if it, if, if, and if, if one person all of a sudden saw like, wait a minute, this is bad. Like what, why does this, why do we stand for this? And maybe now my, my, my mind has been changed. Like that's worth it. But, uh, but there is no, it's, it's, that, that's kind of one of the frustrating things about those kinds of things. It's like, I just want to change everybody right now, but you, you kind of can't. I got it. Um, I, want to say that I watched that that video probably while doing my research maybe like 15 times like I was like wow to, and, and, and to just kind of thumb through your catalog and don't get me wrong I'm, I'm not saying that this one is this tops everything that you've done but when I watched it and listened to it over 10 times I was just highly impressed um that you were involved with that and it was it was huge that I, I had to bring that up because I you know in doing my research a lot of times people bring up the dominoes right they bring up the, this but then when you see this piece when you look at the peanut truck jumping over things and things of that nature <laughs> but <laughs> right you you put together some some great some great ads um but this one just stuck out to me uh stuck out to me the the, the most um I read you say the key is to get as many of your ideas into the real world uh, as possible because once they're real, they're worth something. Please speak a little bit on this. Yeah, we spend a lot of time in, in advertising and maybe just life in general, but in advertising, we spend a lot of time talking about ideas, you know, uh, putting together presentation decks or just saying, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this. And I think the the... the the point of that advice really is, well, we now live in a time where, um, you know, technology has made it so that you can make content or, or turn an idea into a physical thing, whether it's a video or whatever, like that's 
anybody can do that. We can do it on our phones, right? So we live in a time where you can make and deploy content mm. for, for free, right. <laughs> pretty much, or dirt cheap. And, and I think the point of that is like, you know, when you have an idea up here or even around a boardroom with a few people or whatever, you, you, you really can get no value out of it. Mm. I can't, I can't, A, it's, it's just theory, right? It's, I can't see if it's working or not working or if people will like it or won't like it or if it will accomplish what it needs to accomplish or not. And I think sometimes it's safe to sit in that little circle because it's like, you know, that's your idea. It's awesome. But like, I like it just staying here because it's awesome here. I don't have to, I don't have to prove it. And I'm right. scared if people wouldn't like it. But I, I recommend, you know, spend less time really developing ideas in your head and figure out how to, I call it the pilot mentality of like, how can I, how can I in a very inexpensive and quick way make a, a version of that idea and get it into the world? Because mm. now you can, <laughs> like there's no excuse. And, and then it becomes worth something because then I get feedback. Then I see in a real world how the market reacts to it. Mm. And, and it's valuable, A, it could totally crash. Like, I, trust me, <laughs> nine out of 10 of my ideas totally crash and, and, and die, but that's value. Right. I've learned why they you know, crashed and burned. And, um, and so I think that's, that's a really important principle, I think, for marketers or for or just personal brands or anybody, which is like, try stuff, try it. Like, put it out there. Like, don't be so precious about things because, um, you know, the, in that space, you're not getting anything out of it. Mm. How do you know when the right idea is in the room? You, you know, um, well, I think that's interesting, right? Because I believe, um, and all my, all my old friends at Vayner would make fun of me for this. I'm a very, I'm, I have a lot of sayings. I have a lot of phrases, uh, <laughs> maybe because I'm a writer. Um, but one of them was, uh, the job isn't to be right. The job is to find right. Mm. And, um, and, and so to answer your question, you know, there are often times where as a creative leader, a creative director, you are, you're in a room, you're talking about ideas and your job is to make a decision, right? At some point, maybe, maybe you can't make 20 ideas. I've got to narrow it down. We only, you know, we only have the resources or whatever. Um, and, and that's all subjective and it's, and it's scary. And, um, and I've, I've, uh, I've never, um, I've never liked that as even as a creative leader, I never liked being the person that was like, okay, that person's in that position because their, their, their job is to be right. Mm. And I just like, how, like how right. am I and my perspective of just who I am as a human and the experiences I've had through life, how am I always going to be right? <laughs> you know, like, um, <laughs> and instead go, okay, let's actually figure out a system. And, and that's kind of going back to your other questions. Like, finding right is trying a lot of things right and it's not and, and each thing you believe in it's not just a volume of content for volume's sake you're like i believe in this i believe in this i'm going to believe in this i believe this but i'm only going to you know invest or double down on things that the market has helped me understand have potential to be right and um so yeah i i think the the the, the answer in general is you know, if your job is to find right mm. and you're in that room, so let's take just like the whole like posting on social media out of it. Let's say you're, it, it, your, your job is to make a decision, you know, you're 
you're president of the United States and you got to decide what we're, you know, like, and you're in a room. And I think there are certain leaders that sit back and, and, and don't listen and go, here's what we're doing, fall in line. I find if, if your job is to find right, you are going to spend 90% of your time listening to everybody else's opinions of what they think you should do. Wow. And because um, that's just all you're doing is collecting data and insights. And even if things people totally disagree with you or if you disagree very much with that, that is still very important information to have because it can tweak you and mold you and, and whatever. But at the very least, I think you have to, as a, as a, as a decision maker, a creative leader, fully, the, the, you have to earn the right to make a decision by hearing everybody out. Wow. And, right? and I, is that, you, I mean, you hit it right on the nail because I, I also read that you said, um, as a leader, it is your job to make the call, but the difference lies within how that final call materializes. Um, so it that's a great segue because when I read that, I'm like, wow, he he really he it, it's it's really deep to be honest with you. Like <laughs> um, when you when you wrote that, what I just quoted, what what was going through your mind when you wrote that down? Oh gosh, I don't even remember. Um, it, which is funny because now that you mention it, my my. Uh, the Steve Happens Instagram, the Steve Happens underscore light is just family pictures. But that, that Instagram kind of is like a journal. And every, I think every post there is, it's made because something made me think that in that moment. There's, I don't think many of them are just kind of random thoughts. They're very timely. Um, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure, actually. I can't remember, like, if there was a moment that made me think that other than that's just kind of as I've through, even through my career, through trial and error, I've learned maybe as a younger creative director that, I mean, one of the things is like when you, in advertising, you, you know, as a creative, I think there's just some, like you desperately want to get to a position where you get to make the decision, you know? And as a young person, you underestimate that that's actually, it's actually really sucks because making right. a decision is hard. A, there's a lot of pressure on it, but whatever decision you make, you're going to upset half the people. Like it's not a great you know, but in your in your immature mind, you're like, well, just you know, everyone else is like making the wrong decisions and right. killing my work, and I just want to do this. And uh, you know, so I went through the phase, just kind of like everybody, probably maybe, that is just like, okay, this being you know having this position means power, means mm -hmm. I make the call, make I make the decision, da da da. And I I think maybe either it just got beaten out of me over the years, or maybe I've gotten wise. I don't know. But where I realized, wait a minute, my position is kind of more to like referee or choreograph. Right. Like you really, at the end of the day, it's like I still have to make a call. But I've I've just felt I feel much better when I make a decision uh, after I've heard all the possible perspectives. And I've also found that when you show others that courtesy it's not even showing them the courtesy it's actually very valuable for you to right and right. everybody but when you when you involve people when you show people that you're actually interested in them and their perspective even when you make a call that is that doesn't agree with that the opposite i found that they're much more willing to um to follow to say you know what okay but with you know we disagree but like you know versus the types that are like i don't even want to hear you do this go you know it's like and, and man, I would say eight out of, I mean, there's a high percentage of times where I thought I've had the answer. And because someone else said something or whatever, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm actually wrong. Right. Like, hey, let's, let's do that. You're big to, 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 I guess, put ego aside to kind of know, you know, when you're right, you're right. And when you're wrong, you're wrong. And 
that's that's very powerful in in, in leadership. Um, you say talents grow when applied to the unfamiliar. What do you mean when you when you said this? Yeah, uh, I think I maybe I actually I do kind of remember that. I think that was a moment when I, although I think it took me another year or so to fully do it, but. Uh, that was a moment in my life where I, I kind of felt like, gosh, I have been, you know, different agencies in different positions, but I've been doing kind of the same thing for like 18 years. Mm. And I'm very, I'm very comfortable with it. Um, like I'm very comfortable in an agency setting. And that was around the time when I started to uh, build this idea of, of starting Made in House in my head of like, you know, because um, I, I believe very much in this potential of this idea and, and, and the trend of, I, it just was like, it's there, it's there, it's there. And that was a little bit more of a note to myself, I believe, of like, you're, you know, if it, eventually you're going to hit a fork in the road and you're either going to say, no, I'm not going to do this thing that I'm uncomfortable with that I don't know how to do. I've never had my mm. own, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> or, uh, or, or I'm going to just keep, doing this thing that I that I know how to do um and uh, and so I just sort of realized like gosh it's 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 you know it's like muscles you know they build when you when you uh put them against more weight than they've previously lifted you know like and and I think that's very much the same thing of like and 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 I was really like you know I'm not the most I think I, I I'm good at like projecting confidence or whatever but deep down like I'm I'm, I'm I'm my worst critic by far. I'm like, I'm not gonna be able to do this, I'm not gonna be able to do this. And it was really just like, well, the only way, I guess it's just like ideas. The only way you're gonna know is like, put it out there, go do it and try. And win or, win or lose, you'll have built more faith in yourself by, by doing something uh, that you didn't know you could do. And, and I'll, you know, in my life and in my career, like, you know, I know other people and, and surrounded by people who are much better at that advice than me where they're always like boom boom and I just I look at them like man you're just such a well-rounded like you know and I and I you know because I have not done that a lot in my life it's harder for me I think uh, well I've, I've never heard no one put it in that text where you just said I'm good at projecting confidence like I when you say I'm good at projecting confidence speak a little bit on that well I think you know um, it's weird. It's weird because I am confident, right? Like, you know, I, I believe I have ideas that I very much believe in. Um, you know, I, like I said, I started a little company based on it. And when I say little, I mean little, it's just me. Um, or, you know, when I um, step into a room to present an idea, if I believe in the idea, like, th th so it's not necessarily that I'm, I'm not confident, but, um, I, I'm also like very aware of my, of my inner critic, right. Of my, um, and, and so when I say I project, it means sometimes even in my head, when I'm in a scenario, where I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I will go just put one foot in front of the other and open your mouth and just, you know, keep going, keep going and keep going. Um, and so even in a moment where, you know, I may be talking or speaking to something or presenting an idea or, or, or whatever, and someone might say, uh, you know, wow, that guy's really confident. It, I, maybe in the back of my brain, I'm like, well, it was, you know, 
touch and go there for a minute. I had no idea. Uh, I, I, I had a friend once say, which I really loved. He's like, I don't like the, the, the term uh, fake it till you make it. And he rewrote it to mistake it till you make it. And I really liked that, which is like, because you're not, I guess what I'm projecting, I'm not faking it. Right. You know, like it's, it's I'm doing it and it's right. real, but it's just like, it's right behind it is a whole bunch of nerves. Wow. I, lo I love it. Um, now, listening to, listening to you, if you can go back, to the kid in that mail room and give him the elevator pitch that would change his life. <laughs> what what would you say to this kid in, in that mail room? What would what would you say to him? Um <laughs> yeah, wow. Um you know, I guess I would probably say um well, I probably would have said something like, hey start a social media website uh, <laughs> called called Face Journal or something. No, uh, all serious aside, um, you know, it's, I, I guess I would say this, like, you mean like advice for the, the career right. that I then took? Okay. But at um, eight year old, or yeah. whatever old you were at that time. I would say, hey, you will save yourself a lot of unnecessary just emotional discomfort by comparing yourself to other people mm. uh, in your industry. Or I would also say uh, one bit of advice is do not mistake another person's success uh, as a lack of, of um, your own success, right? You know, mm. and in advertising, especially it's very competitive. I mean, oftentimes it's like you're, you're a, a creative team and you're actually competing against another one to try to get your idea into the meeting and very easy to see other people even peers or other agencies or just other people be very successful and to mistake that as like as your own failure like well why am i not that successful or why am i not this why am i not this and i really believe in that saying that i don't know who said it but it's all over pinterest probably on a plaque or something like a painted plaque uh, that is, that is um, um, comparison is the thief of joy. And I think that's really, really true. And I know throughout my career, you know, I've, I've, I've lost a lot of hair uh, and I've, I've um, had a lot of heartache and, and times that just didn't have anything to do. Somebody else's success has nothing to do with my lack of success or success. And to be able to get to the point of where it's like, when you can get to a point where you genuinely can celebrate another person's success because it is that person's mm. and not and not resent it or want to belittle it because it kind of chips away at your insecurity, right? It's very easy. And we see this in my industry all the time. It's it's actually and maybe it's in other industries and I don't know, but I doubt it. Our industry is so like Oh, do you see that campaign from Agency X? Like it's horrible. Da, da, da. It's like, <laughs> why are we doing that? Are we doing that to make ourselves feel better with where we are versus just like, can we just say it's good or we admire it, even though we had nothing to do with it? Like, yeah. and and I and so I would, I would have somehow pounded that into my younger self. Mm. I think if I could have found that place um, earlier in my career, I'd be. I, I maybe would have more of my hair. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? I I might be on the same way. 
lot of, I, lot of stress and anxiety here. So right, I, it, it really is. But it's it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of hard work uh, and, and and dedication. And um, just a, just a segue. Um, you are the twentieth episode on the Cashing and Dreams uh, podcast. We did twenty of these. Um, yeah. I heard me when when we first uh, started this, but this episode actually gained sponsorship. Uh, and and nice. I'm super excited about that, this small win. Um, and we're, we're just growing. We're taking it day by day. So I want to shout out Jarvis and Company. Uh, again, digital marketing solutions, um, graphic designs, web designs, branding, label packaging, social media management, digital marketing. Uh, go and build your brand with them, uh, as well as uh, deep within um, the ebook is finally here guys dig deep within find what it is that you want to do and just do it uh, I'll post both of their websites on this link and you guys could uh, go and tap in with uh, with them um, so yeah it, it, it's it's crazy when you're sitting in that room right and you're like but you know what I don't know if that's just a human thing or is that just somewhat of a hate thing where you're sitting down and you're like did you just see that peanut ad? Like that guy made that truck jump over the mailman, and you know what I mean? It's it's. I think sometimes it's, I, it's a small part of that is hate. Like they really wish they were a part of that. So when you just said that, it it really made, uh, it really made sense that what they are doing is they have no clue on how to project the confidence, uh, that they, that they lack. That you just said, right? They it's it's something there that they don't have. Uh, and on your end, because you can project that confidence, you know, I'm about to do this red thumb idea. Or I'm about to create, you know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm so far ahead of the game that I can, I'm not even really paying a good job, right? On to the next. Great, great yeah. job. I, I, I could definitely dig that. Um, I love it when you say become a master of being a beginner. Um, elaborate a little bit on that. When you say become a master of being a beginner, talk a little bit on that. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, I remember doing that post as well. And, you know, um, I think that was really inspired from, from, from the industry that I'm, that I'm in. And, and, um, you know, there's over the last, you know, whatever, 10 years, especially like, my industry has changed dramatically just based on the mediums that we now have, right? I mean, mobile and social over the last 10 years just became a whole, like, it's completely night and day. And what I would see a lot in the industry are people or, or agencies or, or, or talent, whatever, that, that really are like, no, 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 I'm sticking to the things that I'm, that I'm good at doing. You know, I know how to make a television commercial or I know how to do this or this. And um, and then and 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 I would look at that and go, okay, well, that's that's great, but like, there's all of these new things that right. it's really important that you have understanding of and hopefully an interest in because that's part that is where that's where we are. Like, it's new right. medium. That's where culture is, and so market and brands need to be there. And uh, I, I guess I just realized that, like, you know, the more you get comfortable with restarting, you know, and going back and going and trying the thing that you don't, you know, being new at a thing, the more you do that, the, you know, the, the, the broader your horizons will be. And mm. so I think that that was really inspired there by like, you know, 
get really good. And by that, I just mean comfortable. And that means you gotta be, you gotta be okay. Like, right. you know, especially in advertising, it's like, man, you, you're maybe this, you know, guy who's worked in the business forever. You've made the best commercials ever and you're known for this, you know, for this. Well, guess what? We need to make a TikTok uh, campaign, you know, like get really <laughs> good at going like, cool, I don't know this. And, right. And I want to begin and I want to learn. And um, so I guess it's just basic of like, you know, get, get good, get comfortable with doing things that you've never done because I, I kind of think that's just progress. Right. <laughs> the more stuff you do that you've never done, the farther just, you're gonna go. Got it, got it. Um, wow. Uh, let me let me tell you a little story that I, that I went through. Uh, my brother-in-law calls me up one day and he's like, he's in the real estate, uh, he's in the Air Force, and uh, the Hawks were uh, applauding veterans. This was, I wanna say last year, around this time, right? And um, he was like, listen, man, come with me we're gonna have floor seats we're gonna listen and there's this room um where you go in and i'm gonna tell you i'm not gonna tell you what the room is like just know that we are going to be in the room right so i'm like okay so we get there and we in this first room and it's people applauding people and drinks are going on and veterans are in there and i'm like yo are we in the room yet and he's like nope we're not in the room yet and then, <laughs> and then uh, you know, this part of the, 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 the segment ends and we, we go to the floor and you know, we go down this special elevator. We're in there with uh, big time celebrities. And uh, and I'm like, OK, are, is this the room, the elevator? He says, nope, not yet. We hit the floor and I'm on the floor with all these basketball players. And I'm like, bro, is this the room? And he was like, nope, not yet. And we walk into this room where they serve the food, the free food and all the free liquor. Right. And I'm looking around in the room, and now everybody is in the room, right? I read your post. Always be the person everyone wants in the room. How important is this to you? I think it's 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 the number. I think it's the met. It's the barometer um, to, of whether or not you add value to a situation, mm. right? You know, because I think all of us as humans, you know, lack some self-awareness. Like, you know, like we, I want to be, I, I want to believe that I need to be in that room. A decision needs to be made or there needs to be some inspiration or you're, and, um, and, and, and you think a little bit about like the people you don't want in the room. And, and the room to me is in that particular context is just the place where, where a decision needs to be made or where progress, work needs to happen or progress needs to, 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 to uh, materialize, you know, usually in advertising, it's like, we're just in a room, we're just brainstorming, you know, like we get, we, we don't have the answer, we got to have it. And there's really two types. And I don't know, boss that would call the one type of speed bump. There are always those people in the room that all they do is just be like, well, that won't work. Or, you know, this, here's why or better. There's just sort of they add just the negative um, perspective to everything. Right. And, and I always liked that is what is this old boss of mine, uh, Rob Riley. <laughs> He was amazing, very, very talented dude. He would always, I, I'm pretty sure he was what he called. He's like, you're, you, you know, I always do my impression of him. Hey, you're being a speed bump. And, <laughs> and it was, it was just like, you're slowing us down. Right. And, and you didn't want those people in the room. But what you do want in the room is the person who is, A, has good ideas, is, it wants to hear everybody's good ideas, is optimistic, right? Because sometimes those rooms are, are dire. Sometimes like, we are up against an, an insane deadline or this or a client is really mad we got you know so you want someone who's like 
I'm, it's awesome. We're going to solve this, you know, to lift everybody up and make everyone feel confident. Um, but I've always found, you know, I think everybody thinks, you know, oh yeah, I, 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 I want to be in the room, but it's really kind of a, like, if you were able to do like a, a, a private poll, you know, or about around with all your colleagues, like who, you know, when you have to make a decision or when there is a, you know, when the, when it, when the, you know, when it's on the line, who's the team of people you want in the room. And I think, you know, it's kind of like my number one advice in business and leadership is like, just be that person wow. that has those attributes to where people you always want you in the room um, because you help elevate everybody in that room and you help and you're very solution focused you're not a speed bump you're very positive you're optimistic you have good ideas you're listening all of those things and 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 when you're not in the room you know be that person where everyone's like yeah you know what we, we need steve you know we're, 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 yeah you know i don't right, know if I'm right. that person but maybe <laughs> <laughs> um it's it's funny i i interviewed uh, a gentleman by the name of mario armstrong uh, a few weeks ago and he kind of you say you call it speed bumps. He called it dream killers, right? And he, he said that the dream killers could actually be someone that is right now in this room with you, whether you're at home, with you know. And and you're, you're right. That idea is like Lawrence. You're about to interview Steve Babcock. Are you crazy? Like who do you think you are? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And 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 and, and we here not to say that anyone said that because. Everybody was excited about this, and, and, and I applaud you again. But yeah, I just I compared it to speed bumps and dream killers. And guys, I bring a pen to every uh, interview, and when you see me looking down, I'm I'm writing down what what everybody is saying when I'm interviewing them. So I hope that you guys bought uh, a pen. I actually was gonna paint my uh, my thumb. Red. <laughs> I was gonna paint my thumb red to kind of remind me, hey, keep taking notes. Um, if you can rob uh, a cemetery for a piece of greatness, um, who would you rob and what would you take from them? Wow. What a, uh, okay. What a question. Um, <laughs> geez, Louise, you stumped me. Um, <laughs> if I could rob a cemetery, for a piece of greatness, who would you rob and what would you take from them? Hmm. Uh, okay. Um, I, uh, I, I would rob, uh, such a weird question though, right? Because you're like, well, <laughs> You're breaking the law. You can't go rob. You know, you know it's like well, whose grave would you grave would you dig up? I know <laughs> whose grave would you desecrate uh, and then right. steal whatever there is, and then uh, no, no, I, I, I get the I get the idea. Um, so there's an individual. He's a he's a religious figure. Um, this guy named David O. McKay, mm. and um, and what I would rob is if I'm doing this question right, is a philosophy uh, that he practiced and preached and was very proud of. And mm. uh, that is, um, and it was a phrase that basically said, uh, and I'm gonna screw it up now because you have me all, you, you got me all flustered. Uh, <laughs> but basically the, the phrase was, 
um, no other success could can compensate for failure in the home. Mm. And nope. this can compensate failure in the home. Right. And, um, and I've, I've tried and I wasn't very great at that um, in the, in, in the early parts of my um, career, you know, mm. I would definitely be, uh, I remember actually a moment where, and I worked at some agencies that were, that, you know, kind of prided themselves on, like, we never do, you know, we're workaholics. We like, it, it, the most important thing in this world was the, the, the ads we were making and the accolades and the, like, and for me, really, like, I wanted so desperately to have the rest of the industry see me as something, you know, like, to be really, really important. Mm. And, and, um, and I remember one day, um, or it was a course of some days or whatever, but where I started to, uh, oh wait, no worldly success can compensate for failure in the home. That's the quote, thank you. Um, Love it. Where, uh, and for me, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm achieving my goals from a career perspective. I'm on this pedestal, I'm working at this, you know, at the time I was at an agency called Crispin Porter Bogusky and it was really the, the um, it's kind of like the, the pinnacle of moment and agency of making this kind of where everyone wanted to be there. And it was very, I was very proud that I was able to be there. Um, but man, it was, but, and, and I'm a dad, I have three kids. And I remember it just kind of like things just collided. Like I was like exhausted and, you know, and not, and just not, and realizing maybe if I was honest, like, I'm just not here. I'm not here for my family. I'm never dead at and I remember, you know, I kind of had a little bit of a out of emotional breakdown or whatever. And I was, I was emotional and talking with my wife because I was just trying to figure it out. I'm like, I just, you know, I want to be, I want to be important thinking, you know, in my career and in my field. And she just said something that, that struck me. She was just like, you're the most important thing in the world to these three kids. Wow. And, uh, you know, and it really was like, wait a minute, like, what? Wow. What does it mean to be important? And so anyway, I, um, it's something I, 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 you know, I'll always continue to work with. And I think any, any um, uh, father or provider, whoever is, you know, if you have a family and this, it's, it's a balance. Uh, mm. you, you do need to be successful. You're providing for these, this family. But I do think that quote I, I really like and I've tried to apply it to the best of my ability of like, it doesn't matter. Like I could win the 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 biggest advertising accolades of all time and be on the cover of ad week or whatever but if i'm a failure to uh oh. my, my kids if i don't that that's number one duty um they won't compensate for that so i've really tried to find um that balance and and go well number one is i'm a dad like that oh. is my <laughs> that is my number one job slash calling um, that's my responsibility, mm. and um, and it's the hardest job in the, wow. in the world. But I'm 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 with you. I I got the baldy. I have four four kids, um, so I can I can definitely relate uh, to your to to this this quote and and to your uh, answer here. Uh, started at sixteen, sixteen. I'm thirty eight. Wow. My my firstborn is 22 years old and um full t I, I raised him pretty much on my own until until uh me and my wife got together about 14 years ago but 
that that's what it's all about at, at the end of the day, right? Um, even like now my youngest, he might see me walk by with the ring light and the camera. He's like, all right, dad, I, I, you're getting ready to go do your show, all right? <laughs> so I, I, I can definitely relate. And I, I'm going to take that, that. I'm going to actually rob you from, from that quote that you just robbed. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I feel bad that I like desecrated <laughs> a grave and had to dig. I just, I don't know. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna rob that rob you from that. Now you want to know something? I don't know if it's just me, or if Instagram is realizing that this is what the Cashin and Dreams uh, podcast is about, or if this is just a new uh, upgrade. At one point, they were cutting me off right at the hour, and they're no longer doing that. I'm not certified, but let's applaud hey, all right. for not having to jump in and jump out. Uh, and we're going to knock on wood that this continues uh, because I promise you, I have like hours of content broken up into pieces due to that. So let's, let's applaud uh, Instagram yeah, okay. for allowing uh, me to go, to go over, over the hour. <laughs> I'm not going to keep you too long. I, I see that you're over there. You're building uh, uh, some great artwork benches. Um, I, re I really, I don't know what your intentions is with this piece. But that Manhattan piece that you just put up, oh, is that like a where you did this Manhattan ah. piece of amazing, bro? Like, I don't know what you got going on over there with that with with this craft that you got, but can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. That Manhattan piece is amazing. Like, you put that together by hand? Uh, I did. Yeah. Um Wow. I think uh, I've always, I've never been like an artist. I've been creative and, you know, I, I'm artistic, I guess, to some degree. And um, I liked, um, I don't know, I think it really wasn't until we moved out east. I don't know. I don't know why, but I started to get, um, I mean, I guess it kind of started with like, I don't want to pay someone to come and do a, a handyman pro. I can figure this out. You know, there's YouTube and right. da, da, da. Anyway, I started to really get into like building like like wood, like anything I can just right. find at Home Depot. Like I'm just like, all right, lumber, here's this, here's this. And making things and then making practical things. And it just became like a new creative outlet for me. Right. Uh, and then when we moved back to uh, right at the beginning of COVID, we actually absconded back to our house in Colorado. Um, and, and it's, you know, now we have you know, it's a bigger space and I have like this big garage and everything. And so I've just kind of like turned it into like a, a, a wood studio where I will, I'll, I'll just, you know, between projects and things or between work, I'm like, because everyone's home, you know, I'm not, I'm not traveling. And so I'm, I'll get an idea and I'll just kind of, it'll just pop in my head and I'll be like, cool, I'm going to go make that. I'm just going to, I, my favorite place in the world is Home Depot. And there's one like right down the block. So I'll just go to Home Depot, get things I need and, and make it. That one was, our basement, my wife is a personal trainer and she's really trying to build up a, her personal training business, uh, which is, I'm gonna really start helping her with this. She's, she's great at it. But part of it was we have this huge unfinished basement here. And so I've just been finishing it and turning it into her, her gym. So she can right. come in. Anyway, there was this one big wall and she had just asked, she was like, I wish we had some artwork there. Like, let's go buy like a picture of, you know, Manhattan to just remind us of that time we lived there. And I was, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go buy a picture. Like, okay, I've got an, and it just, I just had an idea of like, I bet I could do this thing where I did this wood. And, 
And so I just kind of downloaded a, a, a picture of the skyline that that particular image is like from Brooklyn looking kind of towards downtown and, uh, and, and just kind of traced it, you know, kind of made a rudimentary version of it. But yeah, I just, I just made that yesterday. So. Wow. Listen, <laughs> it's stunning. Seriously. Well done, Steve. Um, someone just said that in, in, in the comments and I, I mean, since I'm in the room with you right now, right? I would, I would say, suggest that it's 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 a craft right now. But I would personally buy that that New York paint. I mean, uh, 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 sculpture, whatever you want to call it, that you put up on that wall. Why don't you just put it up one day and see if anybody would be willing to buy it and what that ticket would be on that? <laughs> I promise you, you would get probably. I know you oh, you would sell that thing for at least over a dollar, right? <laughs> So <laughs> yeah, the cost of the cost of shipping would be the the expensive part. It's big. It's heavy. It's all wood. <laughs> it's nice. It's it's it's, it's nice. Um, I'm not going to keep you too long. Uh, two more questions for you, and then we're gonna wrap this up. Um, look, someone said, "Amen." I, I'd buy that. Wow. The same. Look, here we go. We got we got two dollars. <laughs> two dollars going once. Three dollars going once. Five dollars. <laughs> Um, sold four dollars. <laughs> right, sold. Now we gotta explain to his wife where did this painting go to. I mean, this this picture, <laughs> right? So, um, two more two more questions. Well, really, one more question, and then something that I want you to leave uh, on the Cashing and Dreams podcast, um, Steve. When you hear the quote, and I don't know if you actually, I I, I read, or no, I heard you say somewhere when it comes to interviews that you typically don't like to get the questions ahead of time because you don't want to be, you know, producing this, these questions and, and answers in, in, in your head. But since the top of COVID, I'm, I'm going to break it down for you so you can get an understanding of what, what I'm about, right? So um, I was working, I had been working in uh, finances uh, since I was 18 years old, right? And that's, you know, what, I, what I've been doing. And it got to a point where I just couldn't take it anymore, right? Really was getting sick and tired and sick and tired of being uh, in this particular room and just getting beat down every day, right? Um, and I wrote a quote down on a piece of paper the size of, of, of a copy paper, right? I wrote this quote down and the quote I wrote down said, create your own foundation or forever live on the plantation. Now, when I wrote this quote down, I wrote it down to motivate myself really to build up the courage to step out of this current situation. And like you say, talk to myself to tell myself to put one foot in front of the other foot and go make it happen. When you hear the quote, create your own foundation or forever live on the plantation, Steve, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's great. I mean, I, I remember, um, actually, it was a fortune cookie once um, that I got. And I think I kept the, the little thing. But it's a classic saying that was like, the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Woo! And, um, and, I, and I think that's, that's very, very true. There's, there's a, a, a sort of a, a prison, if you will, that we all live in called the present, which is just it's, it, you know, and maybe that's a bad term for it, but it's, it is, it's like, we're, we're here. Right. Uh, and we can either progress, meaning whatever that is. And it's, and that's what I think is really important, uh, you know, especially in this world where there's a lot of 
where there are a lot of voices and there are a lot of influential people who are, you know, tell you how to, how to live and what, and what success is and et cetera. And I think it's really important, first of all, to realize no two successes are the same or no, 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 no two happinesses are the same. Um, you know, I, I would always, you know, I worked with the king of hustle for, for many years. And, uh, you know, uh, and I would always say like my hustle, you know, we, I hustle so I can get home by Ooh. six. Ooh. Um, you know, that was my hustle. I love it though. <laughs> and, and his hustle was very different and, right. and he's very, very successful and very, very wealthy and very, very, but it's like, right. that, and so you could look at us both and go, okay, well clearly that guy's way more successful. And, and I don't, you know, necessarily think so. He has more money than me or whatever, but like, uh, it, so I think that's number one is like, not to, to, to comparing um, what people want and what they think and what will make them happy or just sometimes it's like, I just want to believe in myself or this. And so I would say, you know, when COVID really hit, you know, I remember there was, um, there was like some, you know, at the beginning or maybe, you know, whatever, there was a lot of posts that were just like, man, during this downtime, you know, if you, if you don't start that thing, you've always wanted, you know, you're, you're a loser or whatever. I don't know. It was like basically like, right. band. and I remember that hit me in a really bad way where I was just like, you know what, like, if you can get out of bed, you know, or, or whatever, like, this is a crazy time. Maybe you lost your job, like all kinds of stuff's going on. The last thing you need to hear is someone say, oh, the only way, you know, this one route, starting that side hustle is the one way that, you know, and so um, I guess I would say that is the, um, the, 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 sorry, the way your quote was the, the say it again. It's create your own foundation. Right. Or live on the plantation. Ah, it's a shirt. Yeah. Um, nice. I would say the foundation is the thing that is subjective and should be appreciated based on its individual nature. Mm. Right? Because where somebody, somebody's foundation is to be, uh, you know, a, to create a legacy or to be this super or whatever, or maybe it's as simple as like, man, you, for you, it's like, I want to create this, this media channel. I believe in the show. I be, and I, and you wanted to create that. Right. And some people, their foundation is literally just getting through the day. Mm. And, and it's like, got it. And in all of them, you know, it literally is just like getting getting over the starting line. Like, try. Step four. If every every day, you know, you could go to bed and go, man, I, I, I advanced the ball. I moved forward. Maybe it was the maybe it was a baby step or maybe it was just a, a mental step or right. maybe it was like, wow, I did my first episode or I did my 20th and I now have. So I, I think it's a great um, uh, a great saying and a great sentiment. Um, but I, I, I think one, what's most important about it is to appreciate and understand the subjectivity of foundation, because we as a culture. Um, create sort of you know it's it's easy to go like oh that's the foundation right right just because that foundation is somebody else's it doesn't have to be yours correct you know find yours and i think so get, sorry let me see your shirt again i want to get the phrase right so it says create your own foundation so, okay ever live on the plantation so again i i think what's i love that saying i think the one of the most important parts is the two words your own mm. And, and and I think that's that's really important. Like like I said, right. in a world where everyone's telling you how to be 
and 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 etc it's like be you but aspire to those things have those foundations have those goals have those dreams right and 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 progress toward them and no one you know they don't have to be somebody else's wow i i love it you just and I, i'm gonna show you something real quick uh in regards to what you said uh in that in that fortune cookie that you was talking about right <laughs> so now at this at the company that i was working at right what happened was I felt that that quote would offend somebody by, that would walk by my cubicle, right? So what I ended up doing was I ended up writing it. I took it from the copy paper and I wrote it down on a, 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 a piece of paper the size of a fortune cookie, right? See the fortune cookie? On the, si on the, on the size of a, of a fortune cookie. And I decided when I started to put these shirts out at the top of the pandemic, that I was going to create my own fortune, right? And when you buy the shirt, create your own foundation or forever live on the plantation, which is on the cashinandreams.com uh, uh, site, you go, you get a fortune with this shirt, right? You crack it. One of the best cookies in, in, in town. I don't want to have to be chewing the cookie. <laughs> in, but check it out. Create your own foundation or forever live on the plantation. Do you think this is corny? <laughs> no, not at all. That's cool. Super cool. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Listen, I'm not going to hold you up too long. Around the 10th, maybe the, excuse me, probably the fifth or the sixth episode, we end the show out with a hint of inspiration to everybody that tuned in and all of the replay gang that's going to listen to this. Um, what would you drop on the Cashing and Dreams our podcast as a hint of inspiration? Uh, my hint of inspiration um, would be, would, would, would probably continue that theme because I find it really, really important of um, do not allow yourself to, uh, don't compare yourself to others. You can learn from others. You can be inspired by others, but stop short of comparing yourself to other people because there's no two circumstances that are the same. I know it appears that your neighbors have the perfect life and the perfect marriage, and then your other neighbors are at the perfect job because they've got the greatest car, or this person online who you follow obviously has the best life in the world, and all of those things, and they may all be true, but it has nothing to do with you. And I think that's really, really important to, to be who you are and to be really, 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 um, proud and accepting of that and to in your own world you know try to further yourself try to better better yourself um but don't um like i said it's easy to get wrapped up in that comparison and and trying and wanting to be uh other people's successes so um be very proud of of you as an individual and and the things that you're trying to do um because any anything you achieve or any challenge you overcome is amazing right? It might be different. It might not be Instagram worthy. Right. <laughs> it's still amazing. Mm. And, uh, mm. and go to bed every night. And whether you're religious or not, some people pray, some people don't, but take and make, maybe make an, uh, a, a, a list, keep a little notepad. And just every night, just kind of write down the things that you felt you accomplished or felt good about or, mm. and it's small things like, wow, 
Mm. I really did that I reached out and texted that person that we haven't spoken to a long time and 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 I wanted to make amends for something you know whatever it is right 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 you know uh, wow. it, it is progression but remember it's progression at your at your pace listen I am super thankful to you for uh, this interview um one of the things that uh stuck out with me in in this interview is the fact that you embrace wanting um, to, to leave a legacy uh, behind for your children uh, and your wife and, and, and you care on how they look up to you, right? And, and, and I applaud you for that because that is, you know, my, my, my number one goal. Um, I want to just leave you on, on, on this note. And when you get the chance or if this ever comes back and you're sitting down and you're in some sort of a funk and you go back to that, to that, to that journal, just know that there was someone who was looking at you uh, as a silent mentor. And now you have become my mentor. And, and, and I appreciate you for that, uh, for giving me the opportunity to speak with you. Um, right here on this platform, you, you could have said no and been building other stuff, dealing with the family, but you're no longer one of my silent mentors. And uh, I really appreciate you, Steve. Continue to do what you do. Uh, you do a great job at everything you do from the ads to the, to the house. I, I saw a picture of you and the whole family out together. You guys look amazing. Uh, I can see why you, you lost. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can see why, but you're holding on. So uh, I, I applaud you on that. Um, thank you very much for joining the Cashing in Dreams uh, podcast. Till next time, uh, look, Mr. Uh, Meaningful Work, he just jumped in. You missed it, but guess what? It's always the replay. It's always, <laughs> <laughs> it's always the replay. And uh, don't worry about it. I'll actually send it to you uh, when, we, when, when we get off here. But it was a pleasure, uh, Steve. Uh, Till next time, guys, remember, create your own foundation or forever live on a plantation. Thank you guys for joining. Steve. I'm going to let you go, and I'm going to just say one more thing to these guys. Got to let the sponsors uh, get their, their two seconds in, and then, and then we're out of here. So thank you very much. Hey, thank you. Wow. 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 That's Mr. Uh, Steve Babcock. Listen, guys, I'm just going to shout this brother out. Uh, Mr. Uh, Meaningful Work, he actually just interviewed Steve on yesterday. Um, and, and it was an amazing show. And um, you guys need to go check in with, with this with this guy uh, on the Hudson. Thank you very much for checking in. Everybody that checked in, thank you very much. Again, I'm super excited. This is the 20th episode, guys. The 20th episode. The last episode, we interviewed a gentleman uh, by the name of Mario Armstrong, two-time Emmy Award winning for the Never Settle Show. And uh, I was speaking to the gentleman who actually just applauded uh, on the Hudson, and he said, yo, the bar has been set. And I reached out to Steve, and Steve was like, let's do it. And then all of a sudden, boom, we started to get the, the, the sponsors rolling in. So I'm just going to shout out the sponsors. I'm going to bring their, their post in, and then uh, and then we're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. Let's go here. So we're going to bring in, boom, uh, Jarvis and company uh, or co, uh, Digital Marketing Solutions, Graphic designs, web designs, branding, labels, packaging, social media management, 
digital marketing. Go and build your brand with these guys. I'm telling you, 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 you have to work with these guys, right? And then one that I am actually super excited and super proud about uh, deep within. Listen, guys, the ebook is finally here. Dig deep within. Find what it is that you want to do and just do it. It's just that simple. The website is right there, www.deepwithin.com. You guys, listen, check in. This is Listen, I'm telling you guys, at the beginning of uh, this pandemic, I started the Cashing in Dreams podcast. Um, throughout the Cashing in Dreams podcast, we've actually partnered up with um, Mario Armstrong, and we're going to be working together to do a, a, a keychain affirmation, um, or excuse me, an affirmation pocket keychain ring. Um, all of a sudden, now the sponsors are checking in. Uh, the interviews are getting bigger. I, to God be the glory, guys. To God be the glory. You guys go get this book. Till, uh, till next time, uh, create your own foundation, or forever live on a plantation. Jarvis and Cole's uh, website, www.jarvisdigitalco.com. You guys check with them and go get, go get this ebook. And also, guys, uh, on the 15th, hold on one second. This is another little shameless plug, but we're going to go ahead and just throw this in while we have the opportunity November 15th, Bright Screen Studios, right here in Atlanta, Georgia. Felicia Shoddick's pop-up shop. It is going down. When I tell you, Cashing and Dreams will be in the building. You can come and get your merchandise. Listen, it's going to be a whole slew of people there. Listen, check in with Felicia Shoddick, Bright Screen Studios, Sunday between 1 p.m. and 7 p.m., 554 North Avenue, Northwest Atlanta, Georgia. Listen, you guys got to come out and support. That's where you would be able to get uh, the merchandise, cashingindreams.com. The link is in the bio. If you guys want to get the Create Your Own Foundation or Forever Live on the Plantation merch, please check in. This shirt is like, or this sweatshirt that I have on. I have sweaters, I have masks, I have T-shirts, all different colors. But when I put this on and I look down at this shirt, it's a reflection. Right when I read the fortune cookie that comes with the shirt, uh, it, it's it's a reflection of what it is that I want to do. You heard him say it. You don't have to worry about everybody else's foundation. Just create your own and be happy on the foundation that you built. Till next time, guys. Again, create your own foundation or forever live on the plantation. Thank you and have a wonderful night.